0: Welcome to another UCTV.TV podcast, presented by University of California Television.
1: I have an optimistic view on the future of animal biotechnology. I think within five to ten years we'll see real developments in the treatment of disease, both for humans and for the animals themselves, coming directly from animal biotechnology.
2: When you hear the term animal biotechnology, what comes to mind? Possibly Dolly, the famous clone sheep, or maybe a type of transgenic red fluorescent zebrafish called Glowfish. These highly publicised applications tend to overshadow the fact that animal biotechnology encompasses a broad range of techniques that can be used to genetically improve animals for both agricultural and medical applications. Animal breeders have been remarkably successful at developing a diverse range of breeds. Consider the difference between a Chihuahua and a Great Dane. Over the years, livestock breeders have moved from selecting breeding stock based on their physical appearance to more sophisticated methods such as basing their selection decisions on the actual performance of multiple offspring produced by breeding stock. Over the past 50 years, these selective breeding practices have doubled the amount of milk a dairy cow produces in a year and halved the amount of feed needed to produce a pound of pork. These methods are a form of biotechnology, that is, the application of science to living organisms. Recently, however, the term animal biotechnology has become increasingly associated with the more controversial technologies of genetic engineering and cloning. Many people are unfamiliar with the meaning of these terms and want to understand why these technologies are being used on animals. To answer these questions, the following presentation will examine how animal breeders have used traditional animal biotechnologies to select which animals will become parents of the next generation. It will then look more closely at how the newer biotechnologies of genetic engineering and cloning may enable the development of unique animal products for human medicine and how they could complement existing breeding programs for the genetic improvement of animals for food production. Finally, some of the science-based and ethical concerns that are currently associated with these controversial technologies will be explored. The roots of animal breeding began when our ancestors first domesticated animals for food, transportation and clothing... Although at the time they knew nothing about genes, they observed that an animal tended to resemble its parents. This led to the first selective breeding or planned mating based on the presence or absence of particular attributes such as coat colour and size. Selective breeding is ongoing today and its extensive use has led to the development of a wide variety of breeds with different attributes. Artificial insemination is a biotechnology that has been extensively applied to improve the genetics of farm animals. Artificial insemination refers to the process of getting a female pregnant by physically placing sperm into her reproductive tract rather than by natural mating. Modern techniques for artificial insemination were first developed for the dairy cattle industry in the 1940s. This enabled the impregnation of many cows with the sperm from a single bull, maybe one with genes for high milk production. One of the main benefits of artificial insemination is that a single semen collection, which would normally be used to breed only one female, can be divided and used to breed multiple females. Semen samples can also be frozen, and this allows a genetically superior bull in one part of the country to become the father of calves throughout the country and even the world. Through artificial insemination, a sire can produce a large number of offspring in a relatively short period of time. These offspring can then be measured for growth and performance attributes. This process is known as progeny testing and is used to predict a bull's ability to pass on certain traits. The expenses associated with progeny testing a bull, such as semen distribution and record collection can be very significant. However if a sire proves to be a winner, he may very well be worth millions of dollars and vastly improve the breed. It has been estimated that about 70% of the US dairy cow population is now being bred using artificial insemination. In addition to progeny testing, artificial insemination allows a large number of livestock producers access to the very best bulls from a genetic perspective without actually having to buy the bull. Another use of biotechnology in animal agriculture is embryo transfer. Through the use of reproductive hormones, cows can be induced to produce a large number of eggs which can be recovered and once fertilized, transferred to a number of different surrogate females. This allows for greater utilization of superior genetics from individual cows. Whereas in the past, a single female might have only given birth to a few offspring, embryo transfer allows her genetics to be more widely used, as she can be the biological mother of a large number of offspring every year. This same procedure of embryo transfer is used in human medicine in conjunction with in vitro fertilization to help otherwise infertile couples to have a baby. The first successful in vitro fertilization treatment in humans took place in 1978 with the arrival of baby Louise Brown. Since then, in vitro fertilization has exploded in popularity with over 115,000 children born using this biotechnology in the United States. More recently, the genomes, or genetic blueprint of several livestock species including cattle, pigs and chickens, have been sequenced. Similar to a road map that shows which towns are near each other, the genome sequence shows which genes are located near each other. Researchers are now looking for naturally occurring DNA sequence variations between individuals and determining which ones are associated with desirable characteristics, such as disease resistance. This paves the way for producers to select animals to become parents of the next generation based on the actual DNA sequence of their genes through a process called whole genome enabled selection. For example beef producers can use this information to determine which animals in their herd possess DNA markers for tender juicy meat and select them as parents of future generations. The use of these biotechnologies by animal breeders is not currently the focus of much public controversy. However, the prospect of cloning and genetically engineering animals has created a great deal of public discourse and debate. Often these two terms are mistakenly lumped together as being the same. However, these two procedures differ. Genetic engineering is the introduction of DNA sequences into the genome of a living organism by cutting a fragment of DNA from one organism and pasting it into the genome of another. Because the genetic code, or DNA, for all organisms is made up of the same four nucleotide building blocks, this means that a gene makes the same protein whether it is made in an animal, a plant, or a microbe. Genetically engineered animals are sometimes called transgenic and they are able to produce the protein that is encoded by the inserted DNA sequence. Microinjection of foreign DNA into newly fertilized eggs has been the predominant method used for the generation of transgenic livestock over the past 20 years. To be passed on to the next generation, the transgenic, or inserted DNA, must be present in the organism's germ cells, that is, the eggs or sperm. Dr. Gary Anderson talks about cloning, and how it differs from genetic engineering.
3: The difference between genetic engineering and cloning is that the goal of genetic engineering is actually to introduce a genetic change in an animal. Cloning on the other hand is uh, almost the opposite. It's the reproduction of an animal that is a genetic copy of another animal. Cloning is the process by which a genetically identical plant or animal is produced asexually Sexual reproduction involves combination of of an egg and a sperm, and asexual reproduction is in the absence of an egg and a sperm. Many of us have cloned without realizing that we were doing so. If we've taken a cutting from a plant and stuck it in the ground to root, we've cloned. We've produced a genetically identical individual, a plant that's identical to the one from which the cutting came, and we've done so asexually.
2: Dolly was produced in 1996 by a process known as somatic cell nuclear transfer where the nucleus containing the genetic information from a somatic or body cell as distinct from a germ cell was fused into an unfertilized egg that had had its own nucleus removed. The fused egg containing the somatic cell nucleus was then activated to start embryonic development and transferred into a surrogate female using embryo transfer to initiate pregnancy. Dolly created such excitement because she was cloned from an adult somatic cell. Previously, it was thought to be impossible to produce embryos from adult cells. From an animal breeding perspective, the importance of this procedure is that it allows for the replication or copying of adult animals that are known to be genetically superior, such as bulls that have proved their genetic worth in progeny tests. It is not well known that prior to Dolly, two other well-established procedures were available and used to make livestock clones. A technique called embryo splitting creates clones through the bisection of developing embryos, much like what occurs spontaneously during the development of identical twins. This process has been used in livestock breeding programs since the 1980s. Likewise, cloning by nuclear transfer from embryonic cells was developed in the 1970s and introduced into cattle breeding programs in the 1980s, well before the appearance of Dolly. Although clones carry exactly the same genetic information in their nuclear DNA, they may still differ from each other, in much the same way as identical twins do not look or behave in exactly the same way. Cloning also offers a unique opportunity to produce animals from cells that have undergone precise, characterised modifications of the genome, such as the removal of specific native genes, like the prion protein responsible for mad cow disease, or the allergenic proteins that cause the rejection of pig organs when used for xenotransplantation, that is, the surgical transplantation of pig organs into human patients. Most commercial transgenic animal research is being undertaken in the field of human medicine rather than for agricultural applications. Genetically engineered animal cells are uniquely able to produce effective therapeutic protein drugs for the treatment of human disease. In fact, the first human therapeutic protein produced in the milk of genetically engineered goats has already received European regulatory approval. Researchers at the Roslin Institute in Edinburgh, Scotland have also successfully produced therapeutic protein drugs in the eggs of transgenic hens. Dr Helen Sang talks about her
1: research with transgenic chickens. To put it very simply, the research I'm doing is trying to make genetically modified hens that carry a new gene that is for a therapeutic protein and that therapeutic protein will be synthesised as part of the white of the eggs that those transgenic hens lay. Chickens are a, a good species for making therapeutic proteins because, as you probably know, hens lay an egg a day and an egg has a lot of protein in the egg white. So what we're trying to do is to use some of that ability to make a lot of protein every day in egg white and include an extra protein, which is a therapeutic protein. Also, uh, hens add sugars to their proteins, and those sugars are very similar to the sugars that human beings add to their proteins. At the current time,
2: almost all therapeutic protein production occurs in cell culture-based manufacturing facilities using transgenic cell culture lines derived from Chinese hamster ovaries a new cell culture-based manufacturing facility for one therapeutic protein can cost upwards of $500 million.
4: The real advantage to using transgenic chickens over conventional um, cell culture systems is cost. The cell culture systems are very expensive to both build as a plant it uh, takes quite a long time, several years, to put a plant for the production of proteins in Chinese hamster ovary cells together. And once you have them, they're expensive to run. So a much uh, less expensive way of making therapeutic proteins is to produce them in either transgenic plants or transgenic animals.
2: Other types of products for treating human diseases are also being produced in transgenic animals.
0: Hemotech is developing a novel system of making human polyclonal antibodies in cows. Antibodies are molecules that circulate throughout our bloodstream. They have hands associated with them that actually can recognize foreign bodies. So if we encounter a disease agent like a bacteria or virus, the antibody binds onto that agent and helps us clear it from our bloodstream. Unfortunately, uh, sometimes we don't make enough antibodies or we don't make the right types of antibodies and we get sick.
2: Hematech used both genetic engineering and cloning to inactivate the cow's own genes for antibody production and inserted the human antibody genes to produce cows that are able to make polyclonal human antibodies.
0: The cow's immune system is coded for by a set of different genes. So what we had to do was to actually take cells from the cow, create a sequence of DNA that we could insert into those genes and actually stop that gene from functioning. So we've done this to completely inactivate the cow's own genes to make antibodies in the cell, and then we clone a cow from that cell uh, to create a cow that can't make its own antibodies. We refer to them as transchromosomal cows because they contain a small piece of a human chromosome. This piece of human chromosome contains the human antibody genes. So when we put that into the cow, the cow will express the human antibody genes rather than cow antibody genes.
2: Human polyclonal antibodies can then be made by immunising one of these special trans-chromosomal cows with a disease agent. After repeated immunizations, antibodies to the disease can be collected from the cows and used to treat the disease in people. Although this technology is still in development, it is envisioned that the sterile, highly purified antibodies would then be formulated into the final therapeutic product and shipped to hospitals for the treatment of sick patients. It is hoped that these human antibody-producing cows will make it possible to create an efficient, safe and steady supply of polyclonal antibodies for the treatment of a variety of infectious and other diseases, including organ transplant rejection, cancer and various autoimmune diseases, such as rheumatoid arthritis.
0: Well, I see uh, a very bright future for animal biotechnology. I think that we've now, over the past 10 to 15 years... Uh, have developed a set of tools that allow us to do uh, many different kinds of genetic manipulations in animals. We can use these technologies then uh, to produce drugs, uh, to treat people, save lives. We could also make drugs to treat uh, disease in animals. And I think that animal biotechnology also has a promising future for agriculture for uh, making animals that are more resistant to disease, that are healthier, and can produce meat and milk more efficiently.
2: Despite the fact that researchers have been working on developing genetically engineered livestock for a range of agricultural applications during the course of the past 20 years, no transgenic food animals are currently on the market. Conventional animal breeding is constrained by the amount of genetic variation that is present in a species. Genetic engineering enables animals to produce proteins they would not normally be able to produce. At the University of Guelph, Dr. John Phillips has been involved in the development of the Enviropig, a transgenic pig which digests the phosphorus in its feed more efficiently and therefore excretes less phosphorus in its manure.
5: The Enviropig helps the environment by reducing the amount of phosphorus in the manure which is then used as fertilizer. Normal pigs are unable to digest the bulk of the phosphorus in their diet. It's an organic type of phosphorus, and it it is not bioavailable, so it goes right through the digestive tract into the manure and makes, as a result, a very high phosphorus content manure. The consequences of that is that most of that phosphorus is not used in growing plants. It accumulates in the fields, runs off into uh, uh, marine and aqueous ecosystems, causes eutrophication as a major pollutant. The EnviroPig helps the environment by producing less phosphorus in, in its manure. That manure, then, when applied to fields, is much more balanced for crop growth, does not pollute the environment with excess phosphorus.
2: At the University of California, Davis, transgenic goats producing the human lysozyme protein in their milk have improved udder health and produce milk with a longer shelf life.
6: What you see behind us are goats at the dairy goat facility at the University of California, Davis and we have a project here where we're genetically engineering these animals that means we're adding a new gene to their genetic background and increasing the variability. The gene that we've chosen to use for the first experiments is human lysozyme. This is a gene that occurs at very high levels in human milk yet lysozyme is at a very low level in the milk of goats and cows and this gene confers specific advantages to the milk and among them are the fact that it's antimicrobial and that means that if you Try to grow bacteria, or at least certain kinds of bacteria. In this milk, they won't grow as well when the lysozyme is present versus milk that does not have the lysozyme.
2: Many people are curious whether these goats differ from non-genetically engineered goats.
6: The goats that we have are now in their fifth generation, and so far we've seen no differences between our animals in terms of growth or lactation, or in fact behaviour between are genetically engineered animals and they're non-genetically engineered siblings and and other goats at the dairy barn but for all intents and purposes these are normal goats they look like normal goats and behave and act and do normal goat
2: things. Originally, many agricultural applications were envisioned for genetically engineered livestock, such as cows with hypoallergenic milk or chickens producing low cholesterol eggs. However, to date, only one company has publicly announced that it has requested FDA approval to market a genetically engineered food animal, a growth-enhanced Atlantic salmon.
7: Atlantic salmon have been genetically engineered for increased growth in order to shorten the growing period and to increase uh, feed conversion efficiency so that you can produce them more cheaply and more rapidly.
2: It would seem that growing more efficient fish, producing disease-resistant goats, and pigs that generate less phosphorus pollution would align with efforts to develop more sustainable agricultural systems. In fact, some scientists see such applications as doing just that.
5: There is no inherent conflict between sustainable agricultural systems and biotechnology. Indeed, the EnviroPig stands as a, a shining example of how biotechnology can be brought directly to bear uh, to help sustainable agricultural systems in terms of the pollution that traditional agriculture uh, imposes on the environment.
2: However, none of these transgenic livestock applications are currently on the market. What is it about transgenic animals that has hindered their commercialization?
4: The applications of transgenic technology in the food chain are, of course, much more controversial. We already have uh, acceptance in many parts of the world of the use of transgenic plants. Uh, The use of transgenic animals is a much more emotional um, debate.
2: Concerns have been expressed regarding the use of these technologies on animals. Some of these concerns are science-based and lie mainly within the areas of food safety, environmental impacts, and animal welfare, whereas others are ethical concerns.
7: The concerns that relate to biotechnology vary, of course, with the application. Um, Among the ones that I'm most concerned about uh, for the production of uh, genetically modified fishes in the environment, it's environmental concerns. When you're talking about genetically modified pigs for the sake of xenotransplantation, I'm most concerned about the possibility that you might be mobilizing some sort of a disease that could be transmitted to the human host. Um, Other sorts of applications, there may be animal welfare concerns as well.
2: A report by the National Academy of Sciences concluded that environmental issues were the greatest science-based concern facing the animal biotechnology industry. The ability of genetically engineered organisms, particularly fish and insects, to escape confinement and become feral was considered to be of high concern.
7: Should these genetically modified salmon escape from aquaculture systems and enter the wild, they could interbreed with wild populations. The adaptations that these fish have for good production in culture systems are not the same adaptations that would be valuable in a natural population. If these fish were to interbreed, the natural population could become less fit, less able to track the changes in its environment and persist.
2: Animal cloning and transgenic methodologies also create some welfare concerns not the least of which is the current inefficiency of these techniques that results in the use of many more animals than would be needed if success rates were higher.
3: Among the obstacles faced by genetic engineering and cloning is uh, a relatively low efficiency using current procedures for both genetic engineering and cloning. Generally, it's known that clones have a higher embryonic loss Fetal loss and neonatal loss, meaning loss immediately after birth. Nevertheless, there are many animals that are born as clones and appear to live out uh, normal lives.
2: Another concern is that these technologies may have the effect of boosting productivity to a level that results in some animal welfare concerns. Of course, this concern is not unique to genetic engineering because any genetic selection program directed towards high production efficiency has the potential to result in some farm animal welfare concerns, irrespective of the methods employed to obtain that goal.
1: I don't think that genetic modification will necessarily make any more drastic changes than have already been achieved by animal breeding. For example, in poultry, of course the species that I work with, the difference between a broiler bird, which is raised for meat, And the layer hen that is raised to produce eggs is enormous that a broiler bird is two or three times the size of a laying bird by the time it's about four or five weeks old. So there are very big differences and that's all achieved by animal breeding. Conversely,
2: animal biotechnology could also be used to improve welfare by focusing on traits such as disease resistance, which could have the effect of decreasing animal suffering or mortality. The Food and Drug Administration is the lead agency responsible for the regulatory approval of genetically engineered food animals in the United States. As with genetically engineered plants, the unique risks associated with each species and transgene combination will be evaluated on a case-by-case basis.
6: A frequent question that I get when people find out what I do is how do they know that these animals are safe in terms of both food for their own consumption but also in terms of the animal's welfare or, in fact, the environment the animals are interacting with. And, in short, there's a number of federal agencies that are involved in regulating these animals. The Food and Drug Administration Centre for Veterinary Medicine is the lead federal agency. They're charged with making sure that food produced by these animals is safe for human consumption, but they're also charged with making sure that the health and welfare of the animals hasn't been affected by the work that we're doing.
2: However, some people have concerns not with the scientific risks, but with the ethical aspects associated with animal biotechnology.
8: Most people benefit from the use of animals and have always done so. However, there is increasing concern about the use of animals for various purposes, whether that those purposes are for agriculture, for entertainment, for sport, or for biomedical research. Attitudes toward animals do differ in different cultures and can change over time. In our society at this time, there is no consensus about the way in which we should treat animals, so people may have different views about the legitimacy of using animals for different purposes. Most people would agree that the negative effects to the animals that are the subjects of biotechnology research should be weighed against the potential benefits to humans or to other animals of that biotechnology. Where people would disagree is the waiting to give to those different considerations.
2: A conclusive decision about the rightness or wrongness of animal biotechnology will depend upon individual values and experiences. Patients with compromised immune systems who require treatment with human polyclonal antibodies may well have a different perspective about the use of transgenic cows to produce these antibodies than those with no personal experience of this condition.
8: Another concern that people have is that the use of biotechnology to change animals is unnatural. A related concern is that scientists might be on a slippery slope using cloning and genetic engineering because these technologies might be applied to humans.
2: Science and ethics will need to proceed hand in hand in exploring new applications of animal biotechnologies to ensure that they are used within ethical constraints.
3: I think genetic engineering and animal cloning will achieve more widespread acceptance than it has now. There are other technologies that are widely used uh, in uh, both animals and humans that first were questioned as appropriate or unnatural even. For example, artificial insemination, which is widely used, and in vitro fertilization, which not too many years ago, just a few decades ago, People were wondering whether or not that's something that should be allowed and now there are tens of thousands of human babies running around as a result of in vitro fertilization. I think uh, there have been lots of good questions asked about genetic engineering and cloning and certainly some safeguards have to be put into place and uh, the technology may be moving slowly or acceptance of that technology, but I am optimistic that eventually it will achieve some level of acceptance so that the full benefits can be realized.
2: The field of animal biotechnology is at a threshold. Cloned and genetically engineered animals have tremendous potential to benefit human health through the production of therapeutic proteins and polyclonal antibodies for the treatment of disease. Additionally, transgenesis offers a unique opportunity to introduce novel traits into livestock production systems. Potential applications include animals with improved disease resistance, reduced environmental impact, improved carcass composition and more healthful animal food products.
7: Were we not to pursue these sort of genetic modification technologies we would run the risk of not realizing a lot of benefits that are promised by a powerful new technology. Uh, Certain sorts of medical compounds that we would not be able to produce in cell culture. um, Certain sorts of applications in agriculture that will realize efficiencies that we can't get any other way. I think
4: eventually we will see the application of transgenic technology in animal agriculture it's probably some time yet before we will find both the applications and the need that meets the approval of the public and producers and processors.
0: You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.